1: And love,
2: Misty. Uh, 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 oh, uh, welcome to the Wrestle Talk Podcast. I just let him do what he wants at this point. There's no stopping him. This is the Smackdown Review for the March 10th episode, and I am Tempest, your host, alongside my wonderful co-host and fellow House of the Black Mask member, Sat E. niangi. What day is it, Sat? It's Sat
1: E. Day. What time is it? It's Sat E. Time? Is that what I say? I haven't forgotten my gimmicks now. But anyway, it's Sat E. Day. You know what that means? It's the Smackdown review with the House of the Black Mask. He's oh, got mask. a green,
2: green Muda? Jesus Christ. He's got a great Muda shirt on. Very appropriate given today's news about a potential Hall of Fame induction. Who is going into the WWE Hall of Fame? Confirmed, however, it's Rey Mysterio. We have a Booyaka Booyaker 619. Indeed, if ever there was a Hall of Fame career, Mm -hmm. Rey Mysterio certainly has one. And you know what? We'll definitely get to all the bloodline bits on this show, but we lead with the bloodline. A lot. A lot. So we're going to change it up a little bit today. We're going to talk about Rey Mysterio, because on this show, it was announced that the first inductee into the 2023 WWE Hall of Fame is going to be the still very much active Rey Mysterio Jr. Jr. <laughs> Vince going to hate that, but hey, listen, at the end of the
1: day, Rey Mysterio Jr., that's who he is. Imagine if Rey Mysterio Sr. goes in instead. Just for... It's all a ruse. Yeah, just for shiznits and giggles. That would be funny, yeah.
2: So Rey Mysterio gets an awesome video package on this show, just showing how awesome he is, because he's quite awesome, in fact. And he's got people like John Cena, AJ Styles. So many folks are talking about what Rey Mysterio has meant to them and the business and everything. He comes out before he can even say anything. He gets interrupted by Judgment Day and Dominic. Dominic comes out and says, how many times are you going to have to miss Christmases and birthdays and Thanksgivings and soccer games to go and be a Hall of Fame wrestler? Uh, I'm ashamed to be your son. And then Legato Del Fantasma comes out coming to Rey Mysterio's aid, I really do like this pairing, and this is really, I think the first time we've seen Legato Del Fantasma, the group, yeah. the group be babyfaces on this show, and it works really well for them, because they wrestle like babyfaces, they can yeah. get over like babyfaces, it's fantastic stuff they wrestle Judgment Day, they were gonna have a match later in the show He says, let's just do it right now. Mm. They get in there. They have a really fun little match. Lots of high flying. I like seeing people like Finn Balor and Damian Priest wrestle on SmackDown because it's new. It's fresh. We don't get to see it very often. I feel like they
1: fit more on SmackDown. Yeah. When you see them, you're like, it looks right. It feels right. And I mean, I'm hoping,
2: you know, if Rhea does win, that catapults them to leave, right? I mean, there's potentially like a draft or a shakeup or something coming after WrestleMania. Maybe Mm. that's when they usually do it. But either way, they have a really fun match. Rhea Ripley takes out Legato on the outside. Rey Mysterio comes over and it's like, hey, don't do that. And then Dominic hits him with a baseball slide. Rey tries to get into the ring, and that Mm. distracts the referee enough to let Damian Priest kick one of the members of Legato del Fantasma, and Dominic rolls them up and gets the pin. After the match, Dominic says, give me the ring. I want to have a one-to-one with my dad. Ray eventually gets in the ring, and Dominic says that the only thing that Rey Mysterio should be in the Hall of Fame for is being a Hall of Fame deadbeat dad. Lol. Boo, hiss. And he says that he should have been Eddie's son. Ooh, burns. And I mean, if we're going kayfabe-wise, you are. Mm -hmm. But we're not, I suppose. It's a gray area. But that is not, in fact, enough to get Rey Mysterio to snap. I'm not sure what it's going to be. They finally gets Rey Mysterio to turn on his son. But he sends Dominic to the outside regardless and says, I'm not going to fight you, son. And that's the end of their segment. But regardless, the point of the whole story right here tonight yeah. is that Rey Mysterio is going into the WWE Hall of Fame. Yes. Now, I'm going to park at the door my feelings on the WWE Hall of Fame. Well, the imaginary Hall of Fame. The imaginary Hall, of, imaginary fame Hall is, of
1: Fame. In Vincent K's mind.
2: Yes. I don't care about it. But I care about Rey Mysterio. Yes. And Rey Mysterio is a certified Hall of Famer in every legitimate wrestling Hall of Fame out there. Amen. And I just want to talk about some Rey Mysterio stuff. this guy is fantastic. It.
1: I even liked it when Rey Mysterio didn't have a mask for a bit. I like Filthy Animal Rey. I, I like all versions of Rey Mysterio. Hootie-hoo. Hootie-hoo! Listen, Rey Mysterio, right now Dominic is acting like Filthy Animals' Rey's son, Mm -hmm. being the devil horn and then the rough rider, you know, which was the Bronco Buster, that's what they used to call it. Uh, Rey Mysterio is one of those guys, because he's been around for such a long time, Everyone grew up on him. I we were talking about what was our first Ray Mysterio matches, and I explained that my first Ray Mysterio match that I vividly remember was him versus the Malenko on an episode of WCW Nitro. I want to say circa '96. Mm-hmm.
2: And your memory was. <laughs> meanwhile, Ray Mysterio was in the very first wrestling match that I ever saw. Yeah, ever saw. Because I tuned in to my first ever wrestling show, and that was the January 25th, 2008 SmackDown, the go-home show for the Royal Rumble. Oh, okay. That makes it, it easy to remember. It's to remember. E- yeah, because
1: you're, you're flexing. I'm like, all right.
2: I was like, yeah, I get it. You're good at quizzes. But I'm like, you're just taking a piss now. But yeah. Okay, cool. It's easy to remember when it's just like, I know that that Royal Rumble is on a certain day just because yeah. I, you know. Stats and dates and stuff, and then be up. like, "Okay, mm. two days earlier, January twenty fifth, SmackDown. It's also my friend's birthday, and I linked hey. those m- things in my mind. Shout him out if you want. I mean Shout him. out to my buddy Tavon. Yeah, what's good, bro? For I have, you, Tavon. I, ho- I hope you're doing all right, bro. I hope to see you soon too. Um, oh. go. I'm going you, home you, in the summer. You you know, feeling home? Are you feeling homesick? No, no, no. I just, you know, I miss my friends. But oh, I'm your friend. I'm yes, you are. And, of course, your memory, yes. But, yeah, that's my memory, (laughs) of course. Get sidetracked. Uh, Rey Mysterio comes out because he was going to wrestle Edge at that Royal Rumble for the World Heavyweight Championship. This is the one where Vicky Guerrero pops out of her wheelchair and goes and hugs Edge and protects him from the 619. I love that. (laughs) So on that show, the opening match of my very first SmackDown was Rey Mysterio against Hawkins and Ryder. Ah. And when I started watching wrestling, my three guys were Jeff Hardy Edge, and Rey Mysterio. Mm, And it was in large part just to him being that guy on SmackDown for like my first month and a half or so that I was watching. Mm. And man, like you go back, you look at so many of the memories that Rey Mysterio has generated for fans. Because you said that, and I was like, I bet that I've seen that match too. Because I watched like Rey Mysterio's Biggest Little Man DVD when that, well it had been out, but I saw it and there were so many matches from, like, WCW and ECW and stuff like that. And those were the matches that got me into watching those companies when I was a wee lad wee and had lad. no other way to see them. It was Rey Mysterio.
1: He, he was your, 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 your gateway drug into the world of wrestling. So my question to you then now is, because you discovered Ray WWE, Rey Mysterio, then what did you think of Rey Mysterio Jr., pre-knee injury muscle mass? <laughs>
2: What did you think of him? I think it's so funny because he's, like, such a different wrestler then when he looks like a child in there. He's so small, and I know that the 90s and everything were a different time in mm-hmm. pro wrestling, of mm-hmm. course. You're still, and I mean, even now, there are people who think you need to be huge and whatnot, but back then, you really didn't make it if you were tiny. Yeah. And this man wasn't just tiny. He was, like... Itty bitty tiny, right? <laughs> but still, you go back, and I mean, Luke, Luke, and I did Bash at the Beach '96 mm. on Wrestle Talk Extra, mm. and the opening match of that show is Ray Mysterio and Psychosis, and they have like the best match of the whole year of '96, yeah. yeah, right there, just, and it's tiny, like itty bitty Ray Mysterio, just being the most unbelievably athletic, talented, high-flying, smooth, dynamic wrestler that you could find on American wrestling TV at the time. Mm. And that makes such an impression for so many people. Like, when people talk about the quintessential light heavyweight, junior heavyweight, cruiserweight wrestlers, the ones that really changed the game, he's on the Mount Rushmore. It's like Jushin Liger, the original Tiger Mask, Dynamite Kid, and Rey Mysterio. Woo! That's released. He's fantastic. He's one of the best wrestlers of all time.
1: Uh, So... Basically, Rey Mysterio is so talented and so uh, influential. He changed the name. The name was called Frankensteiner. The move that he popularized in Mexico, the Frankensteiner, it, it became known as Huracan Rana. Even though I know, the funny thing is, I heard something, I read something that one of his favorite wrestlers was Scott Steiner. I believe it he liked Scott Steiner and he liked the, the Frankensteiner so he used to do it so he put his own little spin on it and, and so forth and he was using the Frankensteiner so I was like the story of like Rey Mysterio's, one of Ray Mysterio's favourite wrestlers as he was breaking into, the, um, into wrestling was Scott Steiner and that's why he used that move a lot because I was trying to fig- figure out because it used to be head scissors mm-hmm. head scissors was the way uh, you know Luchador and you know Mil Masqueros did the head scissors and all the wrestlers were doing it I felt like it kind of died out in mid 2000 or late 2000 because you don't really see people do head scissors anymore but that was like, the go to head move Eddie Guerrero used to do it a lot, and then Raymond Su did the uh, Hurricane Rana, and in damn um, mid late 90s a lot of people did Hurricane Ranas and and so forth. But yeah, Raymond Su had a uh, influence a lot of wrestlers like kind of like how Amazing Red would go on to influence the right. wrestling and you know low key and so and low key was the Sabu of the 2000s yeah. it's, it's weird because there was wrestlers like Sabu influenced the 90s wrestling as well and there's, there's a lot of different wrestlers that influence what style that we see today and Reigns 2 is, is in like the top five and probably number one because of the longevity and the influence he had in, in the world of wrestling and I'm so happy he was able to come back to WWE because there was that weird period of time where the yes movement era mm-hmm. when he got booed at the Rumble because they right. were Mysterio, um, they wanted uh, uh, Daniel Bryan, and then the knee injuries. We thought his career was over because it seemed like every time Rey Mysterio doing his last run before he came back, it seemed like every time Rey Mysterio seemed like he's getting ready to come back, uh, at, you know, full speed knee injuries knee injuries Mm. knee injuries to the point was like Ray you don't have it in you anymore and then he came back got rid of the garbage uh, pants that he used to wear those long (laughs) leather pants he used to wear and I'm like that's the Ray Mysterio I remember growing up that's the Ray Mysterio I remember yeah so it's kind of like because he got Put on a lot of muscle mass, maybe that wasn't, it was too much for his knees for the moves that he, moves that he does. He, he he stopped doing the West Coast pop at one point because mm-hmm. that's what he did in the beginning and you can see the certain moves he stopped doing, he had to adapt his, uh, his mat game a bit, add more kicks to his uh, arsenal in, in the ring. But after he got them stem cells into his knee, you know, wherever, I don't know how you do it, injector or operation, I don't know, I'm not a scientist. He came back, dude added 20 more years into his career.
2: It's ridiculous.
1: Because I was,
2: like, I was trying to find uh, bits for a list recently for Parts Fun Known, Mm. and I just happened to find some article that someone had written, like, 11 years ago saying, like, Rey Mysterio is probably going to retire within the next, like, couple years. Mm. And I was like, don't you even know? It's hilarious. And it does, like... There is that that era of guys that came that broke into wrestling in like kind of the mid 90s. That there's not very many of them left, no, and definitely not many of them left still going at the level of quality that Mm -hmm. Rey Mysterio is wrestling at. And that's the sort of thing where you look at people that were fans of wrestling in the 90s are now like well tenured wrestlers. And they'll have gotten to wrestle Rey Mysterio, someone that they've grown up watching. And there are still people now growing up watching Rey Mysterio and being blown away by Rey Mysterio. And that ability to just influence such a wide array of fans is really, really special. That longevity just doesn't come around too often. It didn't look like Rey Mysterio would be one of those guys when you consider, I had surgery five times on my left knee, that whole thing. It's just absolutely nuts to think about. Especially, What's your favorite uh, Rey Mysterio match? I the thing is,
1: right? I hate like I hate being one of those people like oh, it's the match with Eddie Guerrero and Halloween Havoc. Mm-hmm. It's his match with Kurt Angle at 2002 SummerSlam. Oh, it's great, isn't it? It's bloody impeccable. Such a great match. It's a, it goes to show you within. That was like I think that was his first pay per view, but you wouldn't even know his first pay per view. How over he was already with, with the audience. Yeah. So his matches with Eddie was always incredible. Dean Malenko, I love his match with Dean Malenko. That's that's a guy that's underrated. That's why for me it's kind of weird because for a lot of people they'll say, oh Eddie Guerrero is probably his greatest rival, but for me that like, guy's psychosis. Dean Malenko, he had great matches with them. He had some good matches with Chris Jericho here and there, but the, like when I think of his like how his moves and his arsenal, his matches with Dean Malenko were incredible. Those are matches you should check out, guys. Any of his matches with Malenko and WCW were great. Any of his matches with Psychosis in in War and ECW and in WCW as well. Uh, even the match they had at, at One Night Stand, Psychosis and Ray Mistle. Good match because uh, Psychosis like five foot ten mm. and Ray like I say itty bitty five foot four, five foot five, you know, guy, and they, they were just having great. matches matches to the point where it makes me laugh because Dominic's outfit reminds me of psychosis. So part of me feels like the the hatred was stemmed (laughs) from dressing like his nemesis, (laughs) hair like his Uncle Eddie, bodysuit like psychosis. He's been dressing like his ops for a long time. But yeah, going into the storyline with Dominic, I can't help but think this is kind of like David Flair versus Ric Flair uh, feud in 2000. It's the same pick mm-hmm. out it is the same, you know my dad's a deadbeat and and, and everything and then there's some valid reason because to make a heel compelling they need to have some sort of valid reason there can't be mustache twirling heels are the ones that you check out and yeah i think that's the reason why I get probably why people don't like carrying cross because he's not grounded in any kind of reality you can mm-hmm. relate to but with dominic he's one of those kids where if your parents are successful sometimes they're successful uh, at the detriment of spending time with their family, and it, and it, 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 and it, and I feel like him being a hall of famer. I don't know if there's a storyline reason why, because Raymond say deserves it, but it's kind of like it, it, if it. Any year to give him, this, this year was the right year because I feel like it's elevated the storyline even more. Mm-hmm. Because before you're like, Dominic, why are you hitting your dad? You became taxing champion with that, dad, blah, blah. But I think it's probably his festering resentment towards his dad, in addition to being embarrassed by Judgment Day, made him snap. I think he should have had um, therapy a long time ago, but not having therapy and this added storyline with Michael Cole and way back talking about, hey, he nearly got kicked out. By really me. strange. Yeah, is the storyline nugget is if you're not in the audience, you wouldn't know they actually act, trying to flesh out the storyline. I don't know if it's true, but apparently, if you watch the show tonight, uh, Wade Barrett and Michael Cole talk about how Vince, um, Vince, I'm saying Vince, Ray Mysterio needed kicked out Dominic when he was 15 because he fell in with a bad crowd. But it was Angie that stopped, Angie Ray's wife, stopped him from kicking uh, Dominic out, and I'm like, oh. I don't know if it's based on reality, mm-hmm. but that's the kind of thing you always hear about, you know, teenagers falling into the wrong crowd and so forth. So that could add more fuel to the uh, storyline. But I do like the fact that he's got into the Hall of Fame, but how he got there was he spent less time with his family. And now the son of his resented him is like, you're only successful because you didn't spend time with me. Wah. yeah, Now it's sort of like embarrasses legacy. But you asked the question, what will it take for Rey Mysterio to beat up Dominic? Two things that come into my head: mm-hmm. disrespecting Rey Mysterio's uh, wife. That's what I thought. Dominic's mum. Mm-hmm. But there's also a little Aliyah, uh, baby sister. I feel like it's the baby sister. Mm-hmm. It has to. Be. He's a dad, right? It's kind of like I don't know. The whole point is father and son. Mum, I don't know if he disrespects his mum because you need someone that's like a buffer. Because I don't think you should alienate the family completely. I think it should be someone like Andrew, but like, please don't kill our son. <laughs> so I think it has to be Aaliyah. I think Aaliyah has to make an appearance on SmackDown to talk sense into Dominic because I think that's what's missing from the storyline. I think we've seen it weeks. Because some, someone tweeted me right now. Uh, I'm going to go into my Twitter right now tweeting saying that they are sick of his storyline. Uh, who's did Matt there. He said, quick one for Tempest and Sat before the SD review. What do you think uh, Dom is going to say or do that will get Ray into having the Mania match? I'm at the tipping point of past caring as it's gone on for so long. Very pleased by the Hall of Fame bow. See? So people getting some of the people getting wound up. I think uh, Angie and Aaliyah need to make an appearance to so appeal to Dominic. Dominic's disrespectful, does something, push his sister, whatever, and then Ray snaps. That's it. that's what it is.
2: I, I can't imagine it's gonna be anything else. But for now, we are going to get into the rest of our SmackDown review because this show opened with the Usos arriving at the building and Jay Uso telling Paul Heyman to tell Roman Reigns that he's there and telling Caleb Braxton that everything he has to say to explain himself, he is going to say in the ring turns out no roman
1: reigns on this yeah, show. Yeah, after he said that uh, he if uh Jimmy doesn't deal with the Sami Zayn issue, he'll deal with him. But technically in a storyline sense, they did deal with the Sami Zayn issue cuz the Sami Zayn issue was a fracture in the family. Since there's no fracture in the family allegedly, Roman can take another week break that he usually does. Yeah. But it was strange though, like mm,
2: all over social media when they were promoting the show and stuff, it was like a picture of Roman and Jay and it was like hmm False, False advertising. Man. A little bit,
1: but but this is interesting. Before we 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 go over or go to the first match, I like the fact that Jay goes with Tribal Chief and Paul proceeds to hug him instead of answering the question because Paul Heyman's got his own little uh, bit of storyline uh, arc that he's going through right now where he's stressed out and then you see it throughout the episode mm-hmm. as we're
2: going to go along. It's a good point. Mm. It's a very good shout. We then got our opening match, that being the Fatal 5-Way, uh, uh blah, 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 Fatal 5-Way, number one, too many words, number yeah. one contenders, Intercontinental Championship thing. They're going to face Walter, whatever, <laughs> WrestleMania. And it was Karrion Cross, LA Knight, Sheamus Drew McIntyre, and Xavier Woods, who replaced Kofi Kingston after Kofi got hurt during the brawl last week. That is very unfortunate. It sounds like he will be out past WrestleMania, which we don't like to see. No. Uh, but I don't think he was winning this match anyway. Yeah. This break. match was uh, a bit chaotic, bit messy, but kind of in a good way. Just a lot of things happening. It wasn't the more typical, like, just two people wrestle and you rotate in and out while, while spots are happening. It was just kind of like two people would be wrestling in this part of the ring, and two people would be wrestling in this part of the ring. So there was a lot of stuff going on, but it was really good, though. There was a lot of teases of Sheamus and Drew McIntyre finally coming to a head, but mm. they didn't give you... The big blow-up, start-a-brawl moment. Yeah, they're building that, and they're going to save that for next week because mm-hmm. they're having one of their faces-to-faces, and Xavier Woods comes off the rope, gets hit with a brogue kick. L.A. Knight gets in the ring, gets hit with a claymore. Sheamus looks at him. They both drop down, and the re- another referee slides in the ring, and they both count one, two, three. Perfect timing. Very well executed, and of course they both raise the hand of the person they just counted the three four, and they go back to arguing. Drew and Sheamus are co-winners of this match, pretty much as we said would happen last week. I don't, it wasn't we;
1: it was he. He, he said it. I don't want. I don't take vict- other people's victory. This lovely man right here, he saw the foresight. He saw the future, and he saw it. He's like Drew. And Sheamus, or as I like to say, Shrew, they were going to win the match somehow through shenanigans. And I was like, I was hoping it turned into a six-way <laughs> match at <of> WrestleMania. <laughs> that, that was me. That's what I said. But that's not what happened. But at the same time, question, because I don't see a lot of Fatal 5-way a lot. Are there usually two referees in this match?
2: I don't know. Not usually. No, I think it's you quite know, convenient. It was a little convenient. Yeah, it was. You know, I don't even notice where this person came from. It, it, it must have been outside the whole time, because I do vaguely
1: remember there was a referee outside Mm. doing the fights and so forth
2: i hadn't noticed i wasn't paying that close attention but a good match a very good match to open the show given plenty of time even though quite a lot of the time on this show see the pacing issues kind of came back a little bit on this show Mm -hmm. because they did the the usos bit and then they gave everybody their entrance and then they went to commercial like 30 seconds into the match yeah don't do that I don't
1: like that. But I also wrote down this certain notes I made about the match. I'm I'm gonna let, let, let me talk to you. Let me talk to you. Let me yeah. talk to you. Yeah. Um I think hear me out, because I'm, I'm I'm a bit trepidatious approaching this. Yes. <laughs> LA Knight. Karrion Cross Odd Couple Tag Team just for just think of Carlito and Chris Masters when the whole time you knew the Carlito was going to tell the Chris Masters but they're teaming together they, they, they go into Wrestlemania they're trying to feel tactile they don't win and Carlito betrays him LA is the Carlito in this case of course because you know Karrion Cross even though he tries to be manipulative he's still a few fries short of a happy meal uh, they got nothing to do right now with the, the, the you know them they as a sure team don't. I know what you're thinking because you're like um Karrion Cross is gonna drag Alien Knight down, but then think of the promos and f- think think of the scenarios of them two teaming up together.
2: It it could work. <laughs> I totally believe that anything that LA Knight is a part of can be entertaining in some way. Yeah. You know, I, I enjoy the maximum male models. Shtick. I still enjoy it to this day, by the way. I love it. It's on Raw, so I don't have to worry about it anymore. What is good?
1: Oh. It, you should listen,
2: Maxine Dupree. I believe that it's good. Maxine Dupree, yeah.
1: Um, sorry, guys. Quick sidebar. I used to do the NXT 2.0 review. I was not a fan of Sophia Cromwell. I felt like, you know, just another blonde person, whatever, no charisma. But she's really grown into the silliness of the. Mm. of. Because now that we know it's a bottom tier group, now they know where, you know, they know your role. They know where they are. <laughs> They're just having fun with it, and it's a good group. Check them out. They're one of the highlights for me on Raw. I. And then when O.T. strains them, because I think they're knowing that Gable needs a solo run. They're going to split up American uh, Alpha Academy. They'll break, break them up. Anyway, that's a real thing. I should go on rule sometimes and talk about that. <laughs> Back to SmackDown. Yeah, I think LA Knight and and um, Karrion Kross, they, they, they nothing for them to do. I, they could be a, a short-lived tag team. But at the same time, LA Knight... Money in the bank would, won't happen because a lot of people want that to happen. I want it to happen too, yeah. But it's not going to happen, unfortunately. I want LNA to do well, but like Legado, they're not really pushing the new guys that have arrived on the scene. Mm-hmm. And um, w- w- when we got to Legado match, there's not enough goodwill with Legado to, for them to lose. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Fans will accept losses if they've built that relationship with them. They knew they were heels for a bit, then hit roll, turned heel, so that to be faced. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like it's they what, the way they've been treated is kind of how the women's been treated. Like there's no character development, in any division, and then you you're not given a reason to care.
2: Yeah. A little
1: bit. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I've jumped around back on course after the match. Seamus <laughs> and match. Drew, yeah. Yeah,
2: Seamus and Drew kind of yelling at each other. We cut to backstage, and Caleb Braxton was like. Well, Adam Pierce has to figure that out. In the meantime, here's Paul Heyman. And ask Paul Heyman a question, and he's like, oh, I'm sorry, what? I wasn't listening. Exactly that. I, I love. See, half of it is like, yeah, he's, he's stressed and he's got a lot on his mind. The other half is just like here's absolutely Kayla. disrespecting Kayla at every turn. And I love it. I want more of it on every show, in fact. Um, but Paul Heyman cuts a fantastic backstage promo where he was talking about what the game plan was going to be regarding Cody Rhodes, because he really put over Cody Rhodes, said stylistically, Cody Rhodes is a nightmare matchup for Roman Reigns. I'm not quite sure how. You know, I don't know what exactly Cody Rhodes does that matches up poorly for Roman Reigns in a oh, kayfabe matter. I, I, I do. Let me hear it. Let me talk to you guys. Uh, in
1: kayfabe, Roman Reigns struggled to beat Seth Rollins while Cody Rhodes disposed of Seth Rollins once with a torn pectoral muscle. He
2: beat Seth Rollins, though. It, it,
1: he... No, rec- yeah, he has. Okay, in history, yes. In history. We're not talking about history, we're talking no, about recency bias. No, but like the
2: last time they wrestled, he beat Seth Rollins. The, the record book might say that he lost via, via disqualification, but he won. He beat him... He choked him unconscious, and the referee dropped Seth Rollins' hand on the rope.
1: Cody Rhodes beat Seth Rollins with a torn pectoral muscle. It's true. So that has made him legendary. I mean, this is a guy that will wrestle you with a broken limb. It's that kind of toughness that Cody Rhodes has. for, for, and also the unknown, because Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns haven't touched hands since uh, the authority and the Shield and the Rhodes storyline. So they're two completely different wrestlers now. So that is why I believe what Poeman says that Cody Rhodes could be a problem. Because at this moment, this guy seems darn near perfect. And we all know the crowds hate perfect. So everyone's ready for people to turn on Cody. But yeah, at the moment, he's perfect.
2: We will see. It'll be interesting. Because Paul Heyman went on to say he was strategizing about how they need to deal with Cody Rhodes. This person <laughs> who matches. Yeah, whether we go gangster on him. <laughs> what the heck is he doing? I don't, I don't know. Gangster. Just like snuff him out, basically. I, I, I know. He, he, meant, he meant bloodline beat then, I know. Yeah, <laughs> but it was real interesting, you know, his choice of verbiage here. Mm. And he was like, well, do we do that? Or do we hit him with the truth? And he went to Roman Reigns, and in Roman Reigns' infinite wisdom, he said, wise man. The most gangster thing we can do is tell him the truth. And he said basically exactly that. He went to Raw and he told Cody Rhodes the truth because you'll get to WrestleMania by the time you're at WrestleMania. Cody Rhodes will have already lost because he'll be crushed by the immense weight of all of this inescapable baggage he has from his past. And then he will have to bow down to his tribal chief and acknowledge him. How did you feel about that promo? because the
1: reason I said how do you feel about that is almost like the villain telling you your pl- his plan mm. you're gonna fall into the laser eyed shark <laughs> and the laser eyed shark sharks,
2: gonna sharks eat with freaking yeah. laser beams attached to their head
1: yes they're gonna chew you up well I'm gonna leave in my getaway car and I'm gonna go with it. It, it felt very much like we really kind of knew that Roman Reigns was playing mind games and then he confirmed it but the reason I'm asking you how did you feel about the promo are you happy that he, he confirmed what the game plan was would you have preferred it if he didn't reveal the game plan and we just continued to hypothesize what the game plan was
2: i mean i i don't feel like much from this promo was like a revelation at all i think it was just very well delivered Mm. and i hear i heard what paul Heyman was saying and i was like that was a good wrestling promo not like a real thing to advance whatever story that they're telling so i didn't think too hard about it honestly and maybe that Maybe I could have, and maybe in that sense it could have been better or different or something like no, that. No, I was, I was but, with you,
1: because I was with you. I felt it was a good promo, but when yeah. you, de- you described it, I was like, this is more like a villain just telling you his, his story. You're like, do we need to know that? Mm-hmm. I don't know, because like, I feel like that promo was done because Roman's not there. If Roman was there, I don't think he would need, he would need to do that promo. Mm-hmm. I feel like, Roman's not there, Paul's there, what do we do? He needs to have a promo. And they felt like, what should I do? Just reveal a bit of my game plan. Because the whole point of a game plan is you don't reveal it until probably to the end. Mm. After the victory, then you go, in my <laughs> victory, this is how we, you know what I'm saying? They yeah. haven't won yet. And then again, that's this is this is how you think again. Maybe Paul's going to be overconfident. They're so overconfident and they're not tipping their hand. Like, what is a bit of a game plan? Now you're like, because now Cody knows. Do you, know what, do you know what I mean? Cody now knows, oh, the game plan is to get into my head. Cool. Don't let him get into my head. So that sounds a bit like, hmm. But at the same time, you can say that Paul is a bit too overconfident that he's showing to game plan. So that cockiness, that hubris will be the downfall.
2: It's a good thing to keep in mind going forward, of course. Uh, Sheamus and Drew were yelling at each other backstage with the brawling brutes trying to play Peacemaker. And then we got the whole Rey Mysterio, Dominic Mysterio, and Judgment Day and Legado del Fantasma match and segment. And then after that... We got Charlotte Flair backstage oh. telling Adam Pierce that she wants a match.
1: Oh man, like the, women, the women's stuff. This is how you know, that's, that's, that's for me. You know, Sat so never likes to be negative here, but I do have something constructive. WrestleMania is in a few weeks. There's rumors that either the tag titles or the women's title match between Charlotte and, and Rio could be the main event. Nothing, to, imagine, yeah, if it's a man, all right? I You know me, I love using examples. Stone Cold Steve is a WWE champion. He's going to face The Rock at, at, you know, in, uh, in Houston, Texas. It's 2001,
2: and he comes in and goes to Vince, I win a match. Yeah. You know, there's not enough it, heat. It, it's very low stakes, low mm. energy. Yeah, I, I very much feel that. And that absolutely extended to the segment that we got later.
1: Adam Pearce has got more of a storyline going on because apparently there's this storyline thread for SmackDown that Adam Pearce is stressed. Yeah. <laughs> Gunther's after him. Uh, you've you've got Charlotte wants to match. She even, she even said to him, you know, take a break or whatever she said to him. Like he did. Adam Pearce has got more of a storyline going on because he's got Chelsea Green and Carl Melon Raw bullying him, and he's got Gunther saying opponents. English is not my first language, but opponents. <laughs> But yeah, Adam Pierce got more storyline than Charlotte and Rhea right now. So.
2: And that's a potential WrestleMania main event. What good for versus Adam Pearce, lol. <laughs> <laughs> We're laughing. You know what? I'd watch it. Beat but then you. we got the Viking Raiders taking on Braun Strowman and Ricochet. I know you enjoyed this set, but not for any reason in particular
0: <laughs> what happened
2: on TV. This was kind of just your straightforward kind of basic tag match. There really wasn't anything to make note of. It was just Ricochet kind of got the shine, and then the Viking Raiders got the heat, and then Braun Strowman made a hot tag, ran wild very shortly, and then uh, did his little choo-choo thing, choo-choo. knocked over Ivar, went to go and knock over Eric, but Eric just got pulled out of the way by Valhalla, and he just... Braun Strowman tumbles over the announce desk, which I feel like he does every time he does this now. Mm. Maybe it's time to retire the spot if you never hit it. But no, Regardless, it's
1: like Andre the Giant getting caught up on the ropes. It's a trope now.
2: <laughs> getting caught up in the tropes? Yes. <laughs> but Valhalla, of course, has pulled Eric out of the way, and Ricochet takes out Eric on the outside. Guy's name is Eric. Ricochet takes <laughs> Eric out on the outside, and he does a little pose, and then Valhalla does this, and Ricochet is real scared. For no reason in particular, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, maybe go on social media. There's a bunch of jokes about what made
2: Ricochet scared. (laughs) He's just saying that Valhalla's a bit stanky. (laughs) It's as good an explanation as I've heard so far, because Ricochet looks absolutely spooked. He gets back in the ring, and uh, Ivar just hits him with a kick and a big splash off the top rope for the win. I like seeing uh, the Viking Raiders get uh, some heat back. Mm. They get a much-needed win because Lord knows they didn't get any of that heat in their feud with Drew and Sheamus. This, at the very least, is a step in the right direction for them. That being said, I don't like Ricochet being made to look either scared, Goofed. yeah, scared, goofy, or involved in any way with spooky nonsense, if that's what this was, because Michael Cole was like, oh, she's put a spell on Ricochet. Yeah, man.
1: I don't need it. Any of that. Unless you're doing that kind of spell, I don't need it. But what, what made me laugh is, yeah, if we're Steiner mapping things, right? So the tag team tournament winners, which is uh, Broncochet, that's Ricochet mm-hmm. and Braun Strowman, they now lost the Viking Raiders. So technically Viking Raiders should have won the tournament because they easily disposed of the winners. So that's why it's a huge victory because they beat a tournament winner and you wouldn't know it because they never come out with a trophy and it becomes an afterthought after they win.
2: We'll see. Again, I'm hoping that the Viking Raiders can get a run at at least a title shot after after WrestleMania when Kevin and Sami are tag champs. Do you want it to be them? Presume. Do you want it to be them? I mean, why not, right? If you're looking for like a really good pay per view tag title match, like the Viking Raiders versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, Will
1: be a blast.
2: That's a really good match. If I was the add there, bro, because I want Kevin Owens to ape. The Apron
1: Powerbomb Valhalla. <laughs> See, you love it too. Jesus. And then for him to be like...
2: <laughs> Afterwards. But this was just fine. Nothing really to make note of otherwise. Adam Pierce is backstage with Walter, who is very upset. And he says, yeah, English isn't my first language, but I asked for an opponent. Singular. Not opponents. Or challengers. Pl- Challenger. Plurals. I know the difference. And Adam Pearce says, "Okay, okay, relax. We, I've got a solution to this. We're next next week on SmackDown. We're gonna have Drew take on Sheamus one on one, and the winner is gonna face you at WrestleMania." And he's like, "All right, I'll be watching. Just satisfied." He's like, "Okay, that works for me." And off he goes. I expect some sort of a schmoz finish next week, no. and we'll get our triple threat match, which very well might steal the show at WrestleMania. Okay, imagine yeah, if they do something annoying and
1: they keep this thing going. Let's just say Seamus and Drew both knock each other out. Now they're both losers. So they're like, we have to do this again next week, <laughs> two out of three. Oh, my
2: God. <laughs> they can't just make it simple, yes.
1: And then I would love if it's one of the storylines where it isn't to the day of WrestleMania, they finally give up and go, like, fine, I'll fight both of them. Let's just stop this nonsense. I don't know.
2: I don't know. I expect a schmazz next week. Not quite sure how. But then we got... <laughs> The low point of the show, unfortunately, that being Charlotte Flair versus Shotzi. The crowd did not care about this one single bit. Okay, it's not the crowd's fault. It's not the crowd's fault. It's not
1: Shotzi's fault either because this is the issue. This is where the issue came from. Talk to us. Let me talk to you, WrestleTalk audience. Charlotte Flair is a tweener slash babyface. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Thank you. Shotzi is a baby face. Yeah. So we've got tweener baby face versus baby face.
2: Yeah. And
1: that's why no one cared.
2: I think there's a lot of reasons that no one cared, but that's definitely a very big one. Like, yeah. you know, I don't know how you could really be super interested in this Charlotte and Rhea feud right now with the effort that they've put in telling this story. I think there is a great story there to be told, but... I don't think they've put very much effort into telling it. And thus, Charlotte feels like a flat character. Shotzi doesn't have any character. She's just, you know, girl with tank who loses every match. Mm. And, again, there was no heel. There was no, like, heat. There was no flow to the match, really. The match was kind of messy in parts. Like, Shotzi missed a kick. And Michael Cole had to be like, oh, a, glanc- a glancing blow. Like... Uh, it just wasn't there, and Rhea comes out, stands at ringside, and Charlotte gets the win with the figure eight, and then they go to do the post-match promo, and I was like, okay, well, now we're going to get this moment where we're going to take this feud to the next level, and it was just kind of more of the same. They're, like,
1: talk, they're talking in circles. I, yeah. I, I think here, what would have uh, made this even better is scrap a match. You know, I made a joke about how Charlotte had to demand a match. They shouldn't have done a match. They should have done a sit-down interview. Mm. They should have got Kayla because, you know, women empowerment. It should be, you know, Kayla because she's on SmackDown. Kayla does a sit-down interview, kind of like Rocket and Austin in the backstage. Pick a location. So you got Rhea sitting there, Charlotte sitting there, maybe Dom beside her, whatever. And then you got a video package of when Charlotte beat Rhea. And then Rhea can talk about how her momentum was lost. She was never the same. Even when she came on the main roster, she didn't feel the same, she felt like an imposter. She was going through the motions. It wasn't until she joined Judgment Day she turned things around and now she's this complete beast. Something that Charlotte's never seen before, never competed against. Mm -hmm. She was, no matter how much you train and you prepare Charlotte, you cannot prepare for what's coming. The Eradicator. If they did, like, a great promo like that, yeah. you, that was good. You get amped, right? Then Charlotte would be like, rah, rah, baby face. I'm Charlotte Flair. I'm going to beat you. Woo! Because it could be like a whole Cena and Rusev situation or Cena and, and Margot, like, whether Monster can knock him down. I hope it doesn't happen. But it should have been, like, a sit-down promo to dissect that how... This loss to Charlotte did impact her because this because this storyline is not plucked out of thin air. As much as people want Ria versus Bianca, this storyline is not... and uh, as much as it should be asked of Charlotte. I mean, there's there's, a, there's yeah. a ton of women queuing up who got grievances. Heck, even Dana Brooke, <laughs> who used to be her <laughs> enforcer, he goes, "My career was derailed because I was an enforcer for one month. It should have been like a year. Then we should have broken up because no one cared." Anyway, so. It should have been a sit-down interview and dissect how the crushing, crippling blow of that defeat, it, it changed Rhea forever. Mm-hmm. And then Charlotte, that's the thing with Charlotte, because she's like the Mary Sue, she doesn't have, really have a weakness or chink in her armor, but they it, it, it could have had her probably... Except that she had part of creating a monster. It's kind of like Frankenstein's monster. It goes the monster was a long brewing before I joined Judgment Day. You made me who I am. If that kind of thing, like yeah. I'm gonna be the face of all the things that all the bad things you've done to win. Blah blah. blah. They, they could have made it personal. I think that's what we like about wrestling: making it personal and grounded. Right now, they're not grounding it in anything, and it's right there.
2: Yeah, I mean, this one feels like they are stuck at square one of just. You beat me last time, but you're not going to beat me this time. Whereas there's so much story that you could pull out of this Mm. that they're just not doing. I I think that exactly as you put it there is what they should have done. Really hit the effing point here that that loss was the downward spiral for Rhea Ripley because we all remember it. We all saw it. It's Mm. real. Mm. And when it's real, you can make people believe in what you're saying so much easier. It's exactly like the Ruby Soho promo on Dynamite this week that we really put over on the AEW podcast this week as well because she was talking about things that were real. Mm. You could do the exact same thing here. And I guess you don't want to get people behind Rhea Ripley in that sense, but you could make people believe that Rhea Ripley is saying something that she believes in. And I Think that is what we're missing here. There's just nothing really to care about. Yeah, they could,
1: they could, they could, they could have even done any real promos like you people make her like she's the one, blah blah. It, she could have tied it in a, in a heelish kind of way, yeah. But yeah, it, it's like it's so, it's like it's, like, it's almost like they're almost near, nearly there, but then they retract it, and they go around in circles as well. Because you're Charlotte, yeah, I've been training my own life, I'm ready to do this. And I'm like, oh, it should you should ground it because they are talking in circles. I see your, I see what you're up to. I see your game plan. I'm going to beat you. Well, I've been trained. It's it's kind of like, it's very talking for the sake of talking, right? Yeah. It's just words. There's nothing grounding these words. If they had words that grounded it, it'd be like, oh, I want to see this blood feud. There's nothing bloody about the feud, unfortunately, even though it got something that could make it bloody.
2: Yeah, it's a shame. And we've still got some time before WrestleMania to turn things around, but clock's ticking. We then had our main event segment here with the Usos coming out and Jay Uso being given the chance to air his grievances, explain himself, and all the sort. He says that everybody's been asking him why he did it, why he did it. And he said, very simply, it's for the family. More specifically, Jimmy. For Jimmy. Because the point of this is Roman last week said that if Jay's not on side, he is going to take it out on Jimmy. And what what did we see? Jay joined the bloodline in the first place for? It was to save Jimmy. Jimmy. When Jay got real worked up and quit the bloodline in 2021 for a few weeks and went home and everything, why was it done? Because of Jimmy. Jimmy. Because Jimmy and Jay were at odds with each other and he couldn't see that. Now... He had to protect his brother again. And he's such a tragic character in that. Because he says here that he didn't want to do it. He didn't want to turn on Sammy, which is to me interesting to say with Jimmy right there. Like, I feel like that was really kind of expressed like Jimmy's always like, yeah, he I got my brother back. But no, he's saying like he didn't want to do this. If it were just up to him, he would have sided with Sami Zayn. But it's not up to him, really. He has an obligation, not just to him, not just to his brother, but to his, to the family, because mm-hmm. the family is going to be upset if there's fighting within the family, and he can't have that. It's for a greater good that he's doing this, but of course, that doesn't register with fans because they're he, helping the family, is making sure that the top heel stays on top. So this makes Jay such a. Deep tragic villain here because he's not a villain in the sense yes yeah he's not the mustache twirling just evil for the sake of evil villain but he is the one he's the soldier that's being forced to fight for the evil side and that is just oh that is so wonderful and what i love
1: is jay goes i have the burden you don't have the burden yeah that's because you're not family. That's what he's been saying the whole time. It's kind of like it's like full circle moment. He didn't want Sammy to join because he wasn't family. Because he knew that Sammy wouldn't have the same burden he has. Mm-hmm. He can for him. it's like Sammy saw the bloodline like a boutique. He can walk in and out. Yep. <laughs> Jay goes, I can't walk out this job. I signed a lifetime contract because it's a family business mm-hmm. the bloodline wasn't a family business for Sammy it was a, a way to enhance his reputation after losing the whole jackass situation his, his reputation was in tatters by lining with the bloodline he was selfish he had selfish means we joining him he didn't join him oh I like you Jimmy I like you Jay I want to hang out with you guys no he joined the bloodline for his own selfish reasons they are um, negative points from both sides because of how uh, Sammy's been mistreated we align with Sammy but if you do think about it Jay's Right, Jay goes. This bloodline thing is not a game to him. Yeah, this is his family, his kids, Roman's kids. There's the, the fracture between Jay and 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 the bloodline runs deep. While wow. Sammy can go home to his family and he wouldn't have that fr- that friction, he wouldn't have that burden because he has a real life family. This is his family in the spotlight, in front of the world. The bloodline, the Kardashians of wrestling. Lol. Um, th- the burden. He doesn't have the burden. That's the that's what people have to remember. Jay has the burden. Sammy doesn't. And that's why Sammy's too selfish, and that's why Jay can rationalize it. Because Jay do not want to do it. But you have to rationalize the the, the horrible things you do. To rationalize it was, you're selfish. You should have fell in line like everyone else. Bloodline business is falling in line. And if you don't want to fall in line, you should have never joined. Like I said, you shouldn't have joined in the first place. So, boom.
2: The burden. I think it was fantastic. I really, like... There is the part of me that really wishes that Roman Reigns would have been there for this, even if he was just stood in front, allowing Jay to do all of this and having those like subtle facial reactions and the subtle storytelling beats that you only get with Roman Reigns there. I would have liked to have seen that and like end it with him just like giving Jay a hug and you see him one camera shot like Jay just being like, "Mm -hmm." maybe... They, Something like
1: that. Maybe, maybe they're, they're teasing what the dynamic's going to be like. Because I do think the whole point of... Sammy's involvement in his storyline was to create the fracture. It was not to take down the bloodline. He was meant to f- create the first crack. And there's there's been a rift that's, that's been wide to the point where Jay is openly admitting. Because that's what people should uh, understand that. You said it was interesting. He openly admitted that he didn't want to turn on Sammy. Mm-hmm. It's different from like, I did it because... I fooled you, you know? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. It was this guy saying, I got my brain cells back, it felt great, but I can't enjoy this luxury anymore because I have to remember why I joined in the first place, Mm -hmm. which is my brother. I have to protect my brother. So for me, Jay is not bending down to Roman's will willingly anymore. Any because at one point he joined it. I'm main event Jay Uso. I'm winning matches. I'm um, under the giant memorial winner. He was the mm-hmm. loyal soldier. Jimmy was like, you really drink the Kool-Aid. But now it's Jimmy drinking the Kool-Aid. But Jay has had the... The break to think for himself again. He understands what it's like to be his own man. And eventually, Jay, may be uh, the downfall of the bloodline after WrestleMania down the line, who, who knows, whatever. But yeah, Jay Uso, I think the teasing, when we do see the dynamic, the dynamic will be different between them. It will be Jay kind of probably side-eyeing Roman now.
2: Yeah, and it could very well just be like, I want to see that, mm. and that might be next week. Yeah, you that know, doesn't have to be now, but I am just like, I want to see that. This writing team doesn't... For this writing team, they have to do it because
1: they, they're like, we don't know what to do. We, 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 our golden goose has left the house, which is Sami Zayn. Now we have to rely on the bloodline, which got stale because of just them. So they have to...
2: Elongate rely- things yeah. a little bit mm. more, yeah. But this segment then goes on with... Jey Uso making his point, and Jimmy saying, now that the Sami Zayn problem is dealt with, we can focus on Cody Rhodes. And Cody Rhodes comes out, again, a nice treat. I like seeing him on SmackDown. And Cody Rhodes says, you know, you guys, I keep hearing my name. Mm. You guys keep talking about me. Maybe you should just be talking to me. Puts over the fans. Like, you do it for Roman, I do it for the people. And maybe we should just fight. And he goes to get in the ring, and Jimmy says, you know, you get in this ring, you're not going to make it to WrestleMania. And he's forward, Jay's back, and that's when hooded Sami Zayn comes through the crowd, jumps Jay, beats him down. Jimmy goes to save him, and that's when Cody goes in, and he starts beating on Jimmy. They end up having their two little brawls, Sammy and Cody, stand tall at the end of this episode of SmackDown, and that's the show.
1: This is probably leading to the six-man tag I want to see, the trios tag. I
2: want it so bad. Co- Cody, Kevin, and Sami against the bloodline on like the final Raw before WrestleMania would be fantastic.
1: By the way, I'm still waiting for the whole Cody and Kevin promo where Cody opens the curtain and says, it's you the reason why I went where I went and mm-hmm. I met the people that I met. I've, I've even been waiting for that promo because it's going to happen, right? Yeah. I'm waiting for the whole emotional deep promo about Kevin you were there for me. You introduced me to Nick and, and and Matt and all the guys and so forth. So I'm waiting for that promo because I feel like it will be the promo by Cody which will lead Kevin to now question, hmm, maybe me and Sammy should be friends again. They do need a buffer. They, them two individually, Kevin and Sammy, it's not working. They, they, they're too uh, pig-headed. It's part mm-hmm. of the reason why we love them. They, they love each other, but they're also, yeah. you know, they're too pig-headed. So Cody has to sit them down and hash it out. So yeah. Trios
2: I think this was a pretty solid episode of SmackDown, all things considered. There were some good matches. There were some good angles and everything to set up matches that will lead to WrestleMania deals. There was some stuff that I could have done without. Like, I didn't think the charlotte Rhea thig was very good at all. I didn't think that the Valhalla, you know, Viking Raiders, whatever. Like, it was just kind of there. It was fine. Didn't really add too much other than giving the Viking Raiders a win. But I guess you kind of need that. Oh, and some magic. But otherwise, there was some good stuff on this show. Good promo from Jimmy for sure. You had opening match that was really solid. Mm. You had the Legato and Rey Mysterio stuff that on the whole, I think I think they've done a really good job with the Rey Mysterio, Dominic Mysterio build. They have. They have. I know co- things are kind of like reaching their point where it's like, okay, now's the time to, to snap. We've only got like three weeks left until no, Wrestle. That
1: for me means that they're doing a good thing. The fact that it's frustrating people is meant to frustrate you. That's the whole point. It, 'Cause it look how easy it would be if Ray did Snap then what? Promos where he calls him your crappy kid. I like a little more. You know what I'm saying? Like what can Rey Mysterio as a baby face then do in terms of driving cause what would happen is he would have to beat Damien Priest for a week or two. <laughs> cause you know someone needs to eat the pin before he fights Dominic's WrestleMania, And then poor poor, poor Damien got nothing to do. Everyone's got a matchmania
2: except I just him. think we're we're reaching the peak and it's about time that we do it because mm-hmm. You have him fight. he like just beats Dom down for like five seconds, and Judgment Day drags him away. They go backstage. Then the next week, you have Ray go out there and like, maybe you could swap the order of this, maybe. But like you have Ray come out and do a promo and be like, "You know what? I've had enough. Someone needs to teach you some tough. F in love, Dom. So at WrestleMania, I'll give you what you want, you and me, one on one, and I'm going to put you in your place. And then if there's only one more week until WrestleMania, or maybe uh, one more week after that, you just have them do like a match and a post match promo to really hit that home, just like a go home promo for it. And that's all you really need to do. You, like, it doesn't need to be like, oh, you're a crappy kid and try and elongate the story. It's just like, okay, you have it your way. And at WrestleMania, I'm going to beat you.
1: Or oh, in a more simplistic way, what if uh, there's this fantasy book in here? Ravens who's backstage, his wife and his daughter come by. Did they go into the Hall of Fame? Congratulations, blah, blah, blah. Dominic comes in, craps on his family, and he's going to leave. And he assumes the person that's coming after him is probably Ray. So he smashes the door into that person. That person behind the door is actually Aaliyah. Mm. And that will make Ray mad. I feel like it has to be. not bad. I I think something to involve Aaliyah, I I feel like that's going to drive Ray because I don't feel like um, Dominic would want to disrespect his mother. (laughs) But I feel like Aaliyah is like, you're the favorite. He spent more time with you. You've got to see him more. They they can convolute that Mm -hmm. because even Michael Cole, Uncle Michael, that's what I'm calling him in his storyline, Uncle
2: Michael Cole,
1: (laughs) I was there. He was a good dad.
2: Sure. Sure. <laughs> I'd love to see that. Show me the Thanksgiving pictures of Michael Cole hanging out with in '98. Yeah, don't yeah. show me
1: 2002 because he was a bit older. Yeah, it's a little a,
2: bit. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. But before we get out of here, we have some very special shout-outs to give. Those are our $25 and above pledge hammers over at patreon.com forward slash talk, where you can subscribe at the $25 and above tier to get your own custom wrestling nickname read out on a show just like this. So a big shout-out to Viernes Aldesimo Cero, Jason Gutierrez. Yeah!
1: Good Spanish. Lethal J. Craig.
2: Yeah! Spoke in class today, Jeremy Smith. Yeah!
1: John Jenkinson, son of Jenker. Yeah.
2: The easiest name to pronounce, Josh Rosowskis. Yeah. The voice of rest, the voice of the ring, Josh Roberts. Yeah. Breaking news, Justin Edelheit. Yeah.
1: The heir to the throne, Kate Ayers. Yeah. Up and a- up above, and Keith below. Lol. Yeah. <laughs> Always leave the crowd wanting, Brian Moore. Yeah. Le Mieux au Monde <laughs> links the sun.
2: Yeah, I said it. Did, 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, there you go. We got it. I, I, yeah, I did my little French. I've not seen that one before, so shout out to you. And as well, pick them up, loot sponge. Yeah, thank you, of course, to all of our wonderful pledge hammers over at patreon.com. Rust, uh, Patreon.com forward slash Talk. Make sure, of course, that you subscribe to the $25 and above tier to get your own custom wrestling nickname read out on a show just like this, just like those. And now is as good a time to subscribe as ever. You can see tons of exclusive content over at Patreon.com forward slash Talk. whether it be the full uncut version of the latest episode of Survival Series that came out just last week, that being can you name every single Intercontinental Champion? They can't name them all, but they do better than I thought they would. Not going to lie. Some of them. <laughs> but there's plenty of content, exclusive content, early access content, as well as Adam's next fantasy booking video and more. So make sure you go over there right now and subscribe. Patreon.com forward slash wrestletalk sat. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your sat e day. Yes, and you too. And remember, guys, this is the house of the black mask,
1: and the house always wins. Sing us out. House of the Black Mass. Look at my misty, misty t shirt, t shirt, misty, misty, yeah.